I could watch that video once a day, every day, just as a reminder of how epic our God is, how incredible he, he is and what he has done and, and what, why he was born, why he came. Uh, as I begin, as you take out your notes this morning, I want to start our introduction uh, by giving you three unwritten rules of life. I asked Roy to put them up here for you this morning. There are the three unwritten rules of life. Okay, now that we have those, we'll continue on this morning. <clears throat> Today, we're, yeah, you finally got it there, Logan, thanks. Um, Today we're going to close our Christmas series with the truth that Jesus was born to reign. Uh, to reign means to possess or exercise sovereign power. That is what a king does. That is what a sovereign ruler does. Hard for us to imagine in our own personal lives uh, because we don't have this kind of rule in our nation. We generally don't have this kind of rule in our life. Um, it would be easier to understand if, if we lived in medieval times and, and we actually lived in a walled up kingdom where there was a king and we felt, uh, knew what it felt like to be under the thumb or the authority of a sovereign and complete and total ruler. Uh, when a king ruled over his literal kingdom, he determined the laws, he had control over the authorities that, that collected the taxes and kept the people in line, and, and likely even used a percentage of the commodities raised inside that kingdom boundary to meet his own needs. Well, maybe we have a little bit of picture of what that part of it is like, uh, having to give up a percentage of our income for our government, but... This sovereign ruler was judge, jury, and executioner. What he said went. He was it. He, he was the one who determined it. As, as I look back at history, there, there were good kings and there were bad kings uh, throughout the course of history. There were kind rulers and there were cruel and mean rulers. Some, some rulers that came to my mind, uh, Genghis Khan, Hitler, Nero, the pharaohs in Egypt... Um, all sovereign rulers over what they were ruling over. And the interesting thing as I look back at, at those specific leaders is that their power and their sovereignty seem to go directly to their head. Uh, as human beings, we struggle with power, don't we? When, when we get power, we, we want more some will do anything, they'll step on anyone to get more power, to be in a position of power. Uh, and, and when they get it then, they get the, the more worse they get as, as a leader. Uh, historian and moralist Lord Acton expressed this in a letter in 1887. This is what he said. He says, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then a part that I hadn't heard before, he says this, great men are almost always bad men. Interesting. Um, recognize that he says almost always, okay? Power, 
like an opioid, can be good, but it also carries with it the capacity to feed the dark and sinful side of our souls, our pride and our selfishness. And this we must know and take into account as we are given roles of leadership over the people and in the power that we have in our lives. This applies to husbands and wives, managers and CEOs. It, it applies uh, when there are people in power in public office, teachers, administrators. I mean, we're all given a certain sense of power over our own little circle of influence. So how do we keep from being corrupted by that power? Uh, how do we fight the selfish grasping for more power and more control? Well, the answer to that question is to intentionally not focus on ourselves. And, and really, there's only one way in which we are able to do that, to not focus on ourselves. There's only one main power that we can focus on that will be good for us in this sense. Uh, somebody who is greater than all. There is another more powerful and sovereign. He has absolutely all the power. He has absolutely all the sovereignty. He has not been corrupted absolutely. He is absolutely perfect. And to top it all off, he loves you. And he loves me. He is absolutely powerful. And he absolutely loves us. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to John chapter 1, uh, the fourth gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 1, some several chunks of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. The first one is in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, give you a couple more seconds to rustle pages and find that. Beginning in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, if you're new to the Bible and, and you're not sure, you've never heard that before, the word here is talking about Jesus. You can put Jesus' name in where it says Word. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, verse 3, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, we talk about Jesus being the light of the world at Christmas time. We don't just talk about that because it seems like he's that. We talk about that because he is that. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the, anybody know who that John was? John the Baptist proclaiming the arrival of Jesus. He, there, there is coming a man who is going to be our Messiah. And then if you remember one day he's out baptizing people and he says, there he is. It's him. 
He is here. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus was born to reign. His birth, life, death, and resurrection, as we saw last week, are living proof of Jesus' priority, his authority, and his capability as our king and as our savior, our ruler and rescuer, perfect and loving and just. Now, how does this truth then apply to us uh, that Jesus was born to reign? First of all, as a church, as Christ followers, we are to be an active and sacrificial life-saving station. Uh, we talked about the life-saving stations last week. If you missed last week, I just, I, I can't go through it all again. I want to encourage you to go to our church website, northhillsbaptist.net. Click on the sermons tab and either listen to it or watch it. Um, as we begin 2022, I want us to be the torch of hope to our world. Now, our world, your world might be the school that you go to, the, the basketball team you play on, the, the class you're in, the workplace you're at, the, the teams that you lead, or the business that you run, or a sundry of other things within that. But I want, I pray that, that we can bear the torch of hope to our world. Where, where is your coastline planted? What coast are you standing on where you can look out and watch for lost people and go out in a boat to, to bring them the good news wherever we are and no matter what we are doing? When we surrender to our reigning king, King Jesus, he will always guide us and direct us and lead us in the right direction. He never makes mistakes. He will never lead us into a place where he doesn't want us to go. He is perfect. I had a couple songs come to my mind yesterday, and I'm like, hey, Bob, you should do this one. You should do Good, Good Father tomorrow. Um, it, it'd be really good. And then I had another one that just happened to be on uh, Pandora while I was working on the sermon yesterday. And I'm like, and, and this one would be a great one, too. He did neither of them. But that last one that he just did, the words in that fit just as good as the, the two songs that that I had in place. He is a good, he is perfect. Um, in Jesus' own words, in his longest teaching moment recorded for us in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, when we're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, we don't have to worry about what happens in our nation. We, not that we're not interested, not that we're not active in those things, but we don't have to be worried about those things. God is going to take care of them. We seek Jesus with both our hearts and our minds. Our feelings and our intellect. We, we feel his presence 
Those students that were up here talking, when they're at flame on, I, I bet the Holy Spirit was thick in their room and in their presence. In fact, when I prayed with them before they left, I, that was one of my prayers. That the fires in their soul, their spiritual fires, would be stoked hot. And my guess is that they, and, and, it, and it wasn't, just some emotional song and moment, but it was the true power of the Holy Spirit that they were feeling. That, that, that they sensed his presence. He, he speaks to us. Um, we feel his all-creating power when we stand in awe of the creation that he has made. When we sing and pray and listen and call out to him, when we humble our attitudes before him, surrender our wills and our plans, when we seek first his kingdom. I, did you happen to throw that picture in that I had in the, the folder? I, okay, so I, I didn't expect you to, but I was kind of hoping you might. I came across it this morning. They, uh, NASA has posted the first picture of 2022 from the Hubble Space Telescope. Not the new one yet. It's not in place. And it's going to be amazing when they get that thing in place. But they, they posted their first picture. And, and it wasn't really high res enough in the copy that I saved to the computer to do it justice. But it, it, I, it's like, I don't know. They said like 111 light years away Something like that. It's a long ways away. And it, it was a picture, of course, of two big galaxies. And it looked like they were sort of encroaching on each other. It, it was really cool to see. And there's thousands of other galaxies spread out throughout in the background. And there's this really bright star. And they didn't, just, they didn't say which star it was. They may not even know what star it was. But I was just, in that moment, it's like... Um, am, I, am I amazed that we get pictures of that? Yeah, but it's not in the technology that I'm amazed at. I'm amazed in the God who put that stuff there. How powerful he is. And, and the fact that an all-powerful, all-creating God would know my name. That he would know the number of hairs that could be on my head. <laughs> Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. And, and when we seek first his kingdom with our minds, we, we read and we meditate on his word, on, on the Bibles that he has given us. He speaks to our minds through it. He informs our priorities and our beliefs. He informs our actions and our inactions. And we can trust him. In every area that I am speaking of, he is our king. He is our father, our ruler, our creator, our rescuer. He was born to reign. And with Christ reigning in our life, what then should our reaction be? What is our reaction? What is our response to the idea and, and even... even our surrendering to him as reigning in our life, what, what is our response to that? And I, and I have three things this morning that I, that I want to say that are, are ways that we should be moved to respond. The first one is we respond with worship. 
We, we respond with worship. Um, we respond with awe in his power. We look at that sunset. We look at that, those mountains that were created by his voice. And, and if, instead of just observing a pretty picture, we are in awe of the one who put those there. His foreknowledge, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Um, professor Bruce Leafblad, I, I don't know where he was professor of. I came across this um, statement that profoundly influenced a, a writer and author that I follow. And this is what Professor Leafblad said. Worship is communion with God in which believers, by grace, center their mind's attention and heart's affection on the Lord. Humbly glorifying God in response to his greatness and his word. I read that and I thought, wow, I, I really like that. That, that is true. What, in fact, what Professor Leafblad said is what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 23, Jesus said this, Yet a time is coming... And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. A time, yet a time is coming, Jesus. And then he says, but right now as I speak this, it's come now. You see, we live in the time. We're there right now where we're worshiping the Father, where we worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth and spirit, our mind's attention, truth, and our heart's affection, spirit. Now, turn back from the book of John to the book of Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41. Jesus enters the home of a woman. Verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, verse 39, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to, get, to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In that moment, Jesus said, I don't need a fancy meal. I don't need, to be, I don't need the dust to be swept up off the floor. What's important right now in my present presence is that Mary is sitting at my feet. He's like, Martha, that's where you should be too. That's where we should be too. Mary has chosen what is better. So what does sitting at Jesus' feet look like for you? What, what does it look like for me? Um, you're doing one of those ways today. Now, whether you came here because your parents drug you, or you came here on your own, or you came here just because it's a habit that you've been doing your whole life and you just, you've just kept it up. I don't, I don't care why you're here today, but, but today you, you are doing, you are sitting at the feet of Jesus. Together, we all are. We are sitting at the feet of Jesus to learn from him. 
fellow faith walkers, focusing our attention on Jesus and his truth together. And as you hear the word preached, you are worshiping in truth. And, and my prayer always is, is that on a Sunday morning, that, and now that I have a phrase to put to it, that, that we center our mind's attention on Jesus. As you read, as you read your Bible every day, as, as, you, as you pray over it and meditate on it, you're worshiping in truth. As you listen to other pastors and teachers explain the commands of God from Scripture, you are worshiping in truth. Centering your mind's attention. And as you bow your head and focus on Jesus during the music, or as you sing out with your own voice, no matter, as I said before, if it's in tune or not, it's your heart that matters, not the notes, which I'm glad because I didn't really recognize that last song that we did. And I didn't really sing it right. But that's not the point, right? The, the, the point is that I understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, that I'm not just saying them because I know them out of habit, but that they mean something as I worship. As, as you listen and are moved to tears by a song or a poem or a passage from the word of God, you are centering your heart's affection on him. As you observe a sunset or an awesome and powerful storm or are awed by photographs from the Hubble Space Telescope, you are worshiping him. That's what sitting at his feet looks like today. Bowing your head and humbling yourself and your attitudes before Jesus, confessing your sin to him, suffering, surrendering your goals and wants and wishes to him, praying to discern what he wants for you, praying to discern contentment in your life with what he has given you. Robert Paul, would you grab me my phone right there and hand it to me, please? Thank you. I'm going to read something I read this morning. This is what it said, in the stillness. Maybe you just close your eyes. Listen to the wind. You can hear within it the encircling of his grace. Listen to the movement of water. You can hear within it the freshness of his mercy. Listen to the bird chirp. You can hear within it the consistency of his provision. Listen to the thunder. You can hear within it the strength of his power. Listen to the baby's laugh. You can hear within it the overflow of his joy. Listen to the melody of a song. You can hear within it the vastness of his creativity. Listen to the crack of lightning. You can hear within it the force of his strength. Listen to the beating of your heart. You can hear within it the depth of his love. Only in stillness can we truly hear. Are you still? What do you hear? Lord, I, I pray that, that all who are listening today, that, that all who aren't, but, but especially those who are listening today, that, that we would worship you in spirit and truth. Father, help us to be balanced in that. 
Help us to center our hearts and our minds on you to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. With Christ reigning in our life, we respond in worship. With Christ reigning in our life, we also live in obedience and trust. You see, knowing the truth, that's part of the battle. Um, It's good to know how to fix things, but they, they don't ever actually get fixed unless we physically do the actions to fix them. Knowing true things about Jesus is only part of the journey. Obedience and trust is another part. Our head knowledge needs to translate to right action. We we must live our lives in total submission to the commands of God. You see, we don't have to worry about the commands of God like we worry about the commands of government. See, God will never do wrong. God will never leave us down, lead us down a trail that he doesn't want us to go down. Government, we, I mean, it's a, who knows what they're thinking. It could be they just don't, they're just not thinking. Could be nefarious, maybe not. I don't know. But I do know the one who rules, the one who has given us his word, we can completely trust all of it, and, and we just simply need to be obedient to it and trust it. God's word said this, okay, that's, that's what it says, so that's what I need to do. What Jesus taught, what, what God teaches us through Paul and other biblical authors who were inspired by him. Tur- turn ahead again with me to the gospel of John, you know where it is now. John chapter 14, John chapter 14. Any, anybody, who says, anybody who says, well, you see, we value relationships over what the word of God says. You see, they say that like that's a loving thing. They, they say that like that's how they should love people is, is however those people want to be loved or however they want to be accepted. But, but I, I call that into question because in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says this, if If you love me, if you love me, keep my commands. Keep my commands. And and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. See, Jesus is going to die. He's going to be resurrected. And then he's out of here. And in in encouraging the disciples, he said, look, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is, is going to come. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Those who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So then Judas... 
um, not Judas Iscariot, says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. It's almost like he said, it's like a parent when a kid says, but how come I have to do that? And the parent says, because I said so. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Because I said so. Just trust me, Judas. Just trust what I'm telling you. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remember one of his commands was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself, all of those who are around, and as we're loving one another, one of the things that we can do in love is to encourage and challenge each other to Obey the commands of Jesus. Now, you've seen how, I tried to find a picture of this, but I couldn't find a good one. You've seen how our consciences are, are depicted, right, in pictures and stuff, where you've got the little devil on this shoulder, and you've got the little angel on this shoulder. Well, when, when I read this passage, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, who's going to teach us all things, who's going to show us how to go, you see, this conscious conscience that they speak of, it's the Holy Spirit in a believer. It's the Holy Spirit that we listen to. And, and it's the Holy Spirit that we need to turn to. Now, there are two sides. The, the evil one is going to do all he can to tempt us to go the wrong direction. And, and I mean, man, all sorts of stories and illustrations are popping in my head right now. You know, the, the, the uh, Native American who said there's two dogs battling within me, you know, um, right? There's a, there's a black bad one and there's a white good one. And, and the, the little one asked, well, which one wins? He said, the one I feed the most. That's the way it is for us. What are we feeding into our life? Is it the, is it the, the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it... Is it is it listening to him? Are, are we really surrendering ourselves to the reigning of Jesus Christ, to, to the reign of him? He's the one that we need to listen to. He will never, ever lead us astray. Ever. We just have to be sure it's the Holy Spirit that we're listening to. We can trust him. He has been given to us as an advocate and guide, the one who shines the light before our path so that we can see more clearly of where to go. And what happens when we do listen? What happens when we do obey and we trust? Jesus finishes it. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I mean, really, the world gives and the world takes away, right? I mean, the world... Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, we saw this last week, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more 
to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Obedience and trust. And finally, with Jesus reigning in our lives, with our mind's attention and our heart's affection centered on our good King and Father, we serve him and we lead others. Without question, we follow him. Without question. God, your word says this. I'm going to do this. And, and when his word says this and we don't do that, we finally realize what we've done. We repent of that and we per- turn back towards him and his word and we go at it again. We follow him just as his disciples did. Turn in your Bibles to Mark. Two Gospels back from where you are now. Mark chapter 10. See, we started this whole thing talking about power and pride and how we don't do so well with it. I mean, it's much better that we surrender to someone who does do well with it, and that's God. We surrender to the one who has absolute power, yet is perfect. And here we have James and John, Mark 10, starting in verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I cannot believe they said that. We can say that sometimes, don't we? And Jesus asked as if he didn't already know, right? What do you want me to do for you? They said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Where did this idea come from? Seems like a little pride and selfishness and power involved in that statement. And what does Jesus say? You guys are idiots. No, that's not what he says. (laughs) What he says is you don't know what you're asking. You're asking for something that really is beyond what you're able to handle. And Jesus says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And at this point, we know that they still have no clue who Jesus is and what he's going to have to do. Because they answer, yep, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And again, if they had known what that was going to look like, it would have struck fear into their hearts. But Jesus says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the rest of the disciples heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, as if they had never thought prideful things themselves. But in the moment... So Jesus is just, Jesus is like, it's, it's like he's got a basketball team out there and they're completely doing their own things. He's like, all right, you guys, get over here. He calls them together. 
And he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He's like, put your pride to rest. Instead, Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, being a great man, being a great woman isn't found in serving yourself. That is how power corrupts absolutely. Jesus says that if you want to be great, you need to serve others. If you want to be great, you need to be slave of all. Following the commands of Jesus faithfully on a daily basis, living our lives under his rule and authority is also a way to lead others. Others will see it, and others will be perplexed. You did what? When we live our our lives faithfully to the kingdom of God, it is contrary to the ways of the world. Sometimes sometimes God's kingdom is referred to as the upside-down kingdom because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And this is one of those things. What? I mean, our human nature, the, 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 the speak of the enemy, it's all about me, right? If, if you want to go somewhere, you need to be worried about you. And Jesus is like, uh-uh, that's not how it works. If you want to be great, you need to serve others. Uh, I heard once of a youth pastor, he, uh, or I, I heard someone wanted to serve in a church. And he thought pretty highly of himself. Bob, you guys can come on up here. Um, this is my last illustration. Uh, he, he wanted, you know, he kind of wanted a position of up front, that sort of thing. He wanted people to see him. And, uh, and so the, the pastor was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can come. So we got there the first day and, and he's like, so what do you want me to do today? And the pastor's like, well, the bathroom's downstairs and he cleaned. And uh, so he went and did that. And then he came back. What do you want me to do there? There was more stuff. I mean, it, this was like day after day after day. And finally, it, it, it's kind of like um, Miyagi, right? Training his little karate kid. Uh, he, he finally came to the pastor. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm doing all this menial stuff. And the pastor said, well, I just wanted to make sure that you were willing to serve others before you were put into a position to actually serve others. And uh, sometimes we are put into positions to be tested, to be strengthened. Um, Look, following Jesus' rule and authority is a way for us to lead others. Others see it. It, it, People notice. People will ask. People will unlock the doors of their hearts for us to try the doorknob and open it up to speak truth, uh, to, to tell our story to them. They might even just come up and ask. Sometimes you might, you might go to pull the door open and it pulls open and it hits the safety chain and they're like, nope, only giving you this much. But if they give you that much, use it. Lovingly share your story about Jesus. Jesus was born to reign 
And as he reigns, he is an absolutely good, good king. And I want to leave us with this, Matthew 28, 19. Yeah, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we focus on that and we are doing that, we are worshiping him in truth and in spirit. Let's center our heart's affections as we close this morning.